Moshe continues in his poem. Recall what happened in the olden days when people provoked Hashem to anger. Contemplate how Hashem dealt with corruption in the years of the generation of Enosh, which was the grandson of Adam, and the generation of Noah, ten generations from Adam. I have to say that this is one parsha that the English not only doesn't do justice, it's like it's, 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 it's nothing. Remember, we're translating a poem, and the poetry of this parsha is just so beautiful in original Hebrew. And if you refuse to recall Hashem's punishments in the olden days, then at least contemplate His promises of reward in future years, the generation of the Mashiach and of the future resurrection. Ask your father, meaning a prophet, and he will tell you about Hashem's promise for the future. Inquire from the sages, and they will recount to you the events of the past. Basically, always know where you're coming from and where you're going. Consider how Hashem loves His chosen people. When He, the Supreme One, gave the nations their inheritance after the flood, and when he divided the descendants of Adam after the Tower of Babel into separate nations, he did not destroy them on account of their misdeeds. Rather, he firmly established the boundaries of the peoples according to the numbers of the descendants of Israel who descended into Egypt. In other words, he split the nations into 70 nations, which is similar to the 70 Jews that arrived in Egypt with Jacob. He, didn't, he did this because Hashem's portion, meaning his people, the Israelites, was latent within these nations. They were going to come out of these nations. The Israelites are his chosen people by virtue of being descendants of Yaakov, who was the rope of his inheritance. Just as a rope is made up of three intertwining cords, so too Jacob internalized the threefold merit, that of his grandfather Avram, Yitzchak, and his own merit. Yishmael and Esau, in contrast, did not possess this threefold merit. Indeed, Hashem found the Jewish people faithful to their destiny, for when he sought to give them the Torah in the desert land, they willingly followed him into a desolate wasteland filled with howling creatures to receive it. Furthermore, they accepted the Torah in a threefold manner, parallel to the threefold merits of their forefathers. They undertook it to use their intellect and study it, thereby emulating Jacob, who was particularly devoted to Torah study. They undertook to fulfill any decrees, emulating Avram, who actively sought to subject humanity to Hashem's kingship. And they undertook to submit their entire lives to Hashem as a servant, thus to his master, which is what Yitzchak did, prepared to sacrifice his life to Hashem. Hence, as signs of this affection, he surrounded them with the clouds of glory, with tribal banners, and with even with Mount Sinai itself by suspending it over them, as we read in the Parsha in Yisro. He instructed them, he guarded them from hostile animals and nations as if they were the pupil of his eye. As an eagle awakens its nest mercifully, hovering gently over its young so as not to startle them, so did Hashem reveal himself to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai, manifesting himself in four directions in order not to overwhelm the Israelites with intensity of a direct revelation of only one direction. Similarly, just as an eagle spreads its wings when picking up its young and carries them on its pinions in order to protect them from birds of prey, so Hashem did interpose his cloud between the attacking Egyptians and the Israelites. Hashem, unassisted, guided them safely through the desert, and during the entire time, there was no other deity that could contend with him by successfully attacking his people.